All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. John chapter 21 is where we're going to start today. Um, This is week number four of our series called Flawed. Um, We have one more week. I know next week is Mother's Day. I'm a terrible theme preacher. Um, You're lucky I preach a Christmas message on Christmas and an Easter message on Easter, all right? Because I'm not good at the holiday things. And so next week we're still going to be talking about Peter. Um, I probably should have waited and talked to you about Peter's mother-in-law on Mother's Day because that would have made sense and I could have had that cheesy tie-in, but I didn't do it. Maybe I still will. I don't know. Um, But we're going to talk about Peter next week. It's going to be great. We are going to celebrate moms. But we could spend probably the rest of the year talking about Peter and talking about how Peter fell and got back up and fell and got back up and fell and got back up and fell and got and just over and over and over and over again. But despite his many flaws, and, and he had a bunch of them, despite his flaws, Jesus used him in absolutely amazing ways. But we'll save all of those messages for another time. Today, let me start out with a little confession. And, and I know you love it when I do this because it makes you not feel so bad about yourself because your pastor's a great big idiot, and that's what you think. And so th- this, one, this one isn't a secret. In fact, we've talked about this many, 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 many times before in this church. You, you've heard me say this, and many of you will agree with me on this. This, this, is, my, this is my confession. I hate to wait. Anybody else? Anybody with me on that? You just hate to wait? Now listen, there's always, always, always somebody in the room that you're either thinking or you want to say out loud, the Bible says that you're to wait on the Lord. That's why you have no friends. Like for real. I hate it. I hate to wait. Um, I went to a theology conference right before Easter and I was excited I was excited to go for, to this, like, like for months and months and months. I waited for this, but I waited in an exciting way to go to this conference. I was going to get there. I was going to see a bunch of my heroes in the faith. I was going to listen to them preach. It's the first conference I actually didn't watch online, um, that I, I maybe went to one or two, like in, in like close states. It's the first one I actually went to since, since starting working here. So like 12 years. It's the first conference I, I, I really went to. And so I was super excited for it. From the moment I got off the plane in Orlando, I waited every single place I went. It started at the airport. I stood in line for a rental car, a rental car that was already reserved, already paid for. I stood in line for two and a half hours, two and a half hours. There were 137 people in front of me. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I counted for two and a half hours. How many of you know your pastor was super patient during that time? The conference I was at had lines everywhere. There were 7,000 people at this conference, and the conference center had three levels. On the bottom level was the bookstore, and it was an amazing bookstore. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a book geek. I geek out at books, and so especially theology books. And so you had to go down to the bookstore. The bookstore was great big, huge, but there were escalators. The only way you could get from level to level was escalators. And as soon as the the session was over, everybody runs for the escalators. The problem is it was at least a 10-minute wait for an escalator. Like you're in line 10 minutes trying to get to the escalator. And so you go down this escalator, and then there's a little platform, then another escalator, and another one take you down. And, and, And everywhere you went, like you stood in line for these escalators. Here's the problem. This was almost common. Like you were on the escalator and, and the people down here, you get off the escalator, but you're waiting in line to get on this, but the escalator's still moving. So people are getting all cramped. And so eventually they just stop the escalator. Have you ever been stuck on an escalator? I never even thought that was real. 
We show that funny video here all the time of people getting stuck on the escalator. That was me! And nowhere to go. People everywhere. Like, it was horrible. I was at a Chick-fil-A. You know I love me some Chick-fil-A. I love Christian chicken. There ain't nothing better to me. And and you know why I love Chick-fil-A? Their food is is incredible. But you know why I really love Chick-fil-A? Their service. They are fast. I've never been to a Chick-fil-A and waited more than five minutes in the drive-thru. I went to Chick-fil-A down there. I was stuck in the drive-thru for 30 minutes. 30, there's construction around the whole thing. You can't even pull out a line. Because that's, I about left the rental car. I just about just got out. Said, Enterprise, figure out how to come pick this thing up. Like, I don't know, I don't know. Everywhere I went, I waited. I was complaining to people, imagine this. Um, I was, I was complaining to people that I had met there. And I was talking about, man, everywhere I go, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I don't even understand what's going on. I'm waiting. And every single time, every time without fail, somebody say, maybe the Lord is telling you, hurry up and wait. Shut up. I hate it. I hate to wait. Like, if you invite me over to dinner and you say 6 o'clock, what time are we supposed to eat? 6 o'clock! I don't want to fellowship and then eat. I want to eat and then decide if I'm going to fellowship with you, all right? That's what I want. I hate to wait at the grocery store. I've confessed this before. If I go to the grocery store, if I get in line, there are two things going on while I'm in line. I'm in one line, and imaginary Ryan is in another line. Anybody do this? Imaginary you, not imaginary Ryan. Um, So I'm in one line, and if imaginary Ryan gets through the line before real Ryan gets through, I'm ticked off. I'm mad the rest of the day because I hate to wait. I hate traffic. I hate standing in line. I hate to wait. And if I could give you a true confession this morning, if I'm just being honest, I hate to wait on God. And I'm talking not just sometimes, not just most of the time. I'm going to tell you all the time. I hate to wait on God. And you do too. Don't walk in here pretending like your only problem this morning is you woke up and your halo was a little crooked. And you had to straighten it before you walked into church. Like when I get sick, I want God to heal me right then. I don't want God to teach me during my affliction. All right? With this stupid foot thing that I've got going on, I want it healed now. Now. I know I told you two weeks ago, God heals instantly, gradually, or not at all. But that was for you. (laughs) I want it now. Like right now. Anybody else? I hate to wait on God. Because here's why. Like you've read the Bible, right? And as I read it, I see see miracles happening everywhere. Like have you ever read a story where Jesus is just walking along and he heals people immediately? Seen the story where the lady just reaches out, grabs the hem of his garment, and she's instantly, like, I want that. Like, God, I'm reaching. I'm reaching out for the hem. Like, I want that. I want my problems to go away right now. I was reading the story the other day about how the Israelites were fighting with this other group of people, and this other group of people started running away, and God started throwing hailstones down on them. And I'm like, God, do that. That's what I want, man. I want you to take my problems immediately. And for me... He rarely does. Most of the time I find myself waiting. And I don't like it. But I've discovered during those seasons of waiting, during those seasons of frustration, during those seasons where you can't quite figure out what he's doing, he's doing way more than we could ever have imagined. And he's working in ways better than I could have ever planned them. And even though we hate to wait, like I promise you, 
It's in the waiting season where God is working the whole time, even when we can't see it. And I'm going to prove it to you in a story that I love. I know I say that all the time. Man, I love this story. But it'd be awful if I came out and said, there's a story I hate. I hope you pay attention. Anyway, let's start in John 21. Um, Jesus has been crucified. He's he's raised from the dead. And John 21 is a pretty familiar story. If you've got a church background, you've heard this story before. If you've been in this church, you've heard me teach through this. Um, John 21, verse 1. Later... Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. That's very important. It's the Sea of what? Galilee. Because when Jesus first called Peter, Peter was fishing on the Sea of Galilee. All right, that's important. We're going we're gonna to hit this again at the end. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So there's seven of them there. Right? I don't know where the other four are. The Bible doesn't say where the other four are at. Judas is already dead. That's why there's not five somewhere else. But, but, but th- these are the guys that are there. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll go too, they said. So they went to the boat, but they caught nothing all night, which is like every single one of my fishing experiences, which is why I don't fish. Now, here's the issue. And I thought this for years. I have taught this before. And maybe you've heard this talked about before. Simon Peter had said he wouldn't deny Jesus. And, and then he did. And all of a sudden, he doesn't know what to do. So he goes back to Galilee. And then, what occupation did he have before he met Jesus? He was a what? He was a fisherman. So he went back. Don't miss this. So he went back to where he was before he met Jesus, and he started doing the thing that he did before he met Jesus. That's a very common teaching. I, I, I buy into that theory. Because, see, sometimes people will, like sometimes we'll grow distant from the Lord and we'll go back to where we were before we met Jesus, and we'll do the things we did before we met Jesus. That's what's going on in the story. But that's not the entirety of the story. We need to look at the entire thing. In the Bible, you need to take the totality of scriptures and put them together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the four Gospels, they tell a lot of the same stories. And some of them tell them in a little bit different ways from a little bit different perspective. Or they add details of the story that maybe somebody else left out. But when you put them all together, you can see the totality of what is happening. And this is one of those examples where you can see the the whole of what's happening where you can piece some things together. So let me show you the whole story today. Starts out with this awkward conversation between Jesus and Peter. Remember last year, last week we talked about an awkward conversation between Jesus and Peter where Jesus called Peter. Anybody remember what did Jesus call Peter? Called him Satan, right? That's awkward. That's messed up. Somebody calls you Satan, right? So we're going to start today with another awkward conversation between Peter and Jesus. Now, this is the night before Jesus gets crucified. Jesus and Peter having this one-on-one conversation. All of the disciples are together in a room, but Jesus is only specifically talking to Peter, and he says this. And and by the way, a lot of people say, I want God to speak to me. Well, I do too, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Listen, I don't want God speaking to me if he's going to say stuff like this to me. You ready? Here we go. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon Simon, like, like I imagine, like Peter's like saying some stuff and he's, he's like all like just, ah, he's frustrated. He can't understand. And and Jesus is like trying to calm him down, but he doesn't calm him down very well. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Now, let me set this up with a question. What do you do to relax? Like, like think about it. Like what activity or, or what, what do you do to relax? Like, like how many of you, um, how many of you play golf to relax? Raise your hand. I'm not going to make fun of you. Like, you just play golf to relax. How many of you? Anybody? How many of you play golf to cuss and gamble? You my people right there. Like, that's it. 
Um, how many of you like to fish and hunt to relax? How, how many of you like to be outdoors? Like, that's me. I, I like to hunt. I don't, you know this, I don't like to fish. I don't, I don't like it. Everyone says, everyone's been telling me between services, hunting and fishing are the same thing. You got to go out and you got to wait. You got to, no, you don't, man. I got a gun. I feel more powerful when I'm out hunting, I guess. I don't know. But I get what you're saying. I like to do that. How many of you, um, how many of you would, would like a good mani-pedi? How many of you like, that? that's relaxing. If you're a man, put your hand down. You can do it. Just don't tell nobody about it. Like go to Ames to get it done. Omaha or something. I don't know. How many of you, <laughs> nice hot bath without kids in the room. How many? I don't know, John Sampson, how you got so awkward in the tub. But that's like, anyway. I like to sit in my hot tub to relax, but I told you my idiot coonhound Titus, he like guards that thing. And I get him off, and here's the problem. I get in, and then he's still in the house. Like he's just like at the door. So it's not peaceful. It's horrible. Um, Anybody wants that dog, Ryan at yourcentralchurch.com. I'd be glad to hook you up with Titus. Anyway. (laughs) Sweet. Got a new home. Anyway, here's where, here's where I'm going with this. Um, where am I at? We all do different things to relax, all of us. You know what nobody does to relax? No, I've never gone to somebody, hey, what are you going to do this afternoon to relax? Oh, I think I'm going to get sifted like wheat. Do what? Yeah. You know the thing I like to do, man? Ryan, you should try it. Go out and get sifted like wheat. See, if you told me you wanted to get sifted like wheat, I'd be like, hey, um, man, we got some people who would love to pray with you and for you after service. Because that doesn't sound fun. I googled videos for sifting wheat. I read what sifting of wheat was this week. And if you're doing that to a person, it looks painful. So in other words, Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked to hurt you. Now, I don't want to hear that from Jesus. I want to hear from Jesus, but I don't want to hear that. The King James Version of the Bible right here says, And the Lord hath said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Do what? He he wants to do... What? Like, Jesus, what you tell him? Satan hath desired to have you. I don't like that. I don't want to be desired. Well, well, let me say this. It takes on different meaning depending on who who says it or what the situation is, right? Like, if you were to say to me, hey, Pastor Ryan, Mary's my wife. If you were to say, Pastor Ryan, Mary hath desired to have you. Well, all right. We can make something happen. Like, if I get that text from her, I'm walking out the meeting. I'm gone. Like, I'm doing a U-turn. I'm happy about that. Some of you freaking out right now. I can't believe I never heard a pastor say that. You've never met a happy pastor. But right here, the way Satan desires to have Peter, this is a problem for your Peter, because Jesus says the devil wants you. He wants to harm you. And so in reading this, I have a couple questions, and you do too. Like, if, if you're Peter, I'm asking like, hey, number one, Jesus... Dude, why are you talking to the devil? You're not supposed to be friends. You're not supposed to have conversations. And number two, what you say? Like, what did you tell him when he asked? Jesus, what you say about Peter's probably questioning. And then Jesus says this. And again, let me tell you, your Peter is not what you want to hear. Do you know sometimes God will tell you stuff you don't want to hear? Do you know that? Sometimes God will tell you stuff you do not want to hear. If I'm Peter, I don't want to hear what Jesus says next. This is what he says. Starts out verse 32. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. Cool. Thanks, Jesus. That's awesome. But dude, I don't need your prayers. I need you to punch him in the throat. Like right here, Jesus. 
I've pleaded in a prayer. Like, it sounds like you're going to let them do it, Jesus. I don't get it. But I have prayed for you. Now, don't you hate that sometimes? I'll just be real with you. I hate it when people come up to me and ask, how you doing? And then they just touch me like I'm super fragile. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how you doing, brother? How, 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 how you doing? I'm, I'm praying for you, brother. How you doing? I was doing fine until you touched me, freak. Like, that's weird, right? And so I sort of imagine that happening right here. That I'm praying for you, Simon. Simon, I'm praying for you. And this is what Jesus says. Simon, I'm, I'm praying for you that your faith should not fail. Well, to me, I don't know about you, but to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Because for those of you who know the whole story, Peter goes on to deny Jesus how many times? Three. So on the surface, and this isn't a trick question, did Peter fail? Yes or no? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Yes or no? Yes. But here's Jesus. Jesus has said, I have pleaded a prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. And he failed. Jesus, that was your prayer. He failed. He felt, listen, when you deny Jesus three times, when you deny him so much so that you're cussing out a teenage girl, let's, let's be honest, don't cuss out teenage girls, all right? Because they will make Snapchat videos about you and you don't know how to, like, TikToks, and they'll be all over the place. This is messed up, hypothetically speaking, all right? Don't do it. When you've, done, when you've chopped off a guy's ear, listen, Peter chopped off a guy's ear and cussed out a little girl. Like, when you're doing that, I'm going to say you're not following Jesus very care, very closely, right? You may call that a normal Saturday night, but in the Bible, that's not legit. You shouldn't do stuff like that. I have prayed for you. It doesn't make any sense until you realize what Jesus is really saying. Jesus is saying, Peter, I know you're about to blow it. I know you're about to mess up. And so what I've done for you is I've put a spiritual foundation in place. I've done something for you, Peter. You can't see it right now, but I've pleaded in prayer for you. I've laid a spiritual foundation so that when you go through the valley you're about to go through, when you get to the other side, Peter, you're going to be okay because I've set you up for spiritual success. Even though you're going to fail in the eyes of man, even though you're going to fail in your own eyes, you're not going to fail in my eyes because I created you. I knew every stupid, dumb, foolish thing you were ever going to do before I even put you on the planet. And then I went ahead and I set you up for spiritual success. Even though you feel like you're not succeeding, you are going to succeed. And the reason I point this out is not just because it's in the text, but because there are some people here in this room, you feel like this. You've been here. And the reason you feel like this is because you're at this point where you feel like at some point in your past, you failed. And so maybe today you feel like a spiritual failure. And listen, I know what it's like. I have people tell me all the time, and listen, I know what you're saying. I know it's a compliment. I, I get it. But sometimes it, it feels weird. People say to me, man, I love coming to your church because, you know, Ryan, I can connect with you because you're so screwed up. It makes me feel good. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Let's get the, we're jacked up together, fist bump. Yeah. Listen, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here and you struggle with an addiction, with depression, anxiety, or feeling like a failure, and you can connect with me. Because I, I want you to know something. I want you to know something God spoke to me years ago. And if you don't get anything else I say today, I hope you get this. Don't miss this. Just because you fell doesn't mean you failed. Just because you fell doesn't mean you failed. Because listen, there's not a person in this room that hasn't fallen. Just because you fell doesn't mean you failed. The person that fails is the person that falls down and doesn't get back up. 
They stay down because they believe they can't get back up or, or they're surrounded by people who tell you, you will never be who you once were. And, and you know what? Those idiots that say that are partially right. You will never be what, what, what you once were, but you can be better. Amen? You can be better. Hey, was Peter better before his failure or after? After, right? So Jesus goes on to say this. So when you have repented, now, now repent, we, we use this word wrong all the time because you'll hear somebody say, you need to stop that. You need to quit that. You need to quit smoking. You need to quit cussing. You need to quit drinking. You need to repent. What we're telling them is you need to change your behavior. But repentance is not changing your behavior. Repentance is changing your mind. Romans 12 talks about the renewing of our mind. All through the Bible, it's, it's, it's the changing, the renewing of our mind. Because you can change your behavior, but if you don't change your mind, you didn't repent. Repentance is changing your mind. And, and, and so Jesus, what he's saying to Peter is not, hey, when you change your mind about your circumstances, but rather when you change your mind about you. When you change your mind, when you've renewed your mind, when you have repented and turned to me again. In other words, Peter, again, I knew you were going to screw up. I knew you were going to fall. But after you get all past all that and renew your mind, I got something I want you to do. After you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, after you have messed up, go and find all the other dudes that have messed up too and speak life into them. And then Peter goes on, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to deny you. He made promises. And, 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 and listen, we've all done that. Made promises. And I get it. In the moment, we meant them. We just didn't follow through. That's what Peter did. And he denied Jesus three times. He's famous for it. Like that, that's what we most know Peter for. If you ask anybody, hey, tell me something about Peter in the Bible. Well, he denied Jesus three times. Well, as we continue to look at the story, there's part of this story in Mark. And we really need to pay attention to what Mark said. Because even though Mark wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mark sat down and dictated his stories from Peter. Word for word. Word for word. Mark got all of his information in his gospel from Peter. And this is what Mark tells us about Peter in Mark chapter 14, verse 72. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' word flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke, look at this, and he broke down and wept. I don't know if you've ever been at that place. Probably most of us have where we've come to the point of a breakdown. But here's the crazy thing that I've been reminded of over the past several months. When, when you and I, when we lock eyes with somebody, we don't know the hell they're going through. We don't know the battles they're fighting through. We don't know. And listen, there are people in this room this week, that has been you. You broke down. Over the past month, that's been you. You've wept because you feel like a spiritual failure, like you're broken down. And just like Peter, you thought you would never be in this place, but here you are in this place. But I want you to understand something today. I saw this the other day on Facebook. I don't, I don't know who originally said it. It's attributed to a bunch of people. It said a little bit different here and there, but, but I love this. It's my current situation is not my final destination. My current situation is not my final destination. Just because you feel like a failure doesn't mean you're labeled a failure. And just because right now things are messed up, that doesn't mean things need to continue to be messed up. Because after Jesus was crucified, he raised from the dead. Now we talk about every Easter. And every Easter we talk about it like people expected it. Listen, 
Nobody expected it. In fact, I heard a guy say years ago, on Easter, nobody expected nobody. There was nobody outside of the tomb counting backwards, like camera crews and all that around, like, like they're just waiting for it to happen. And somebody's counting down, 10, 9, 8, cue the hazer, 7, 6, hit the lights, 5, 4, cue the theme music, go, 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 2, 1, oh, like nobody expected that. In fact, there were some ladies that went to the tomb in Mark 16. They were going to make final preparations to the body, and an angel shows up. I'm telling you, when you're on your way to do something, and an angel shows up, it changes everything, right? It changed everything for these ladies. The angel had a message for these ladies. Now, I want you to see what the angel said. Verse, uh, Mark 16, verse 7. Now, go and tell his disciples, including who? Who? Peter. Not just Thomas. Not just James, not just John, not just Bartholomew, not just Nathaniel. I want you to make sure that Peter knows. The guy who messed up, the guy who fell flat on his face, the guy who screwed up more than any of us. I want you to make sure Peter knows that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. And where's Jesus going? Where's he going? Galilee. You'll see him there. Just as he told you before he died. So the ladies come back to the disciples and they're like, he's gone. Like he's, he's not there. He did the exact thing he told us he was going to do. He raised from the dead. And now he said, go, go ahead of him. He's going to meet you in Galilee. So the disciples go to Galilee. And when they get to the Galilee, what do you think they did? <laughs> they waited. They waited. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, sweet we got to go because they're hiding in a room. They're afraid for their lives. But now Jesus is back, and Jesus is going to kick butt, take names. we got to get to where Jesus is. Hey, guys, let's go. Quick. And they run, and they get to Galilee. Where's he at? I don't know. I, I don't know. Where, where is he? I don't know. All right. Hey, let's go to the place where he fed the 5,000. Maybe he's going to go back to familiar places. Maybe we're just in the wrong place. Let's go back to the place where he fed the people with the loaves of bread and the fish. Remember, we told him he had to stop, but he didn't stop. Let's go. And so they run there, and they get there. Where's he at? Don't know. Matthew, let's go to the place where he called you. Remember, you're sitting at a tax collector's booth and he saw you. And he said, hey, come and follow me. Let's go there. <laughs> no, he's not there. Peter, let's go to your house. Remember, they tore off the roof and we're lowering people down. Remember, everyone's getting healed. Peter, maybe he's there at your house. Maybe he's chilling with your mother-in-law. I don't know. And so they get there. Jesus isn't there. So they're waiting. Waiting on God. Just like some of us. And listen, when we wait, we often get frustrated. Don't pretend you've never been frustrated with God. So finally, and I love this, we, we go back to where we started, John 21. Let me read the beginning of it again to you. Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Hold up. The reason that Peter said he was going fishing is because he's waiting. He doesn't know what to do. So I might as well go do something. This is beautiful because this is a setup. Jesus was setting him up. Don't, don't miss this. Jesus was setting him up for success. See, most of us think Jesus is, is wanting us to fail so he could punish us. But he's setting Peter up for success. So he's going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. You ever had anybody just invite themselves along? Hey, I'm going to go here. Hey, we'll come too. Anyway, 
So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So, so they're waiting on Jesus. Don't miss this. They're waiting on Jesus. They'll figure they'll do something productive while they're waiting on Jesus. And don't miss this. They can't even do what they used to do. Now, if you fished all night, if you fished all night and caught nothing, be honest. Are you a little frustrated? Are you a little angry? Yes or no? Yes. I'll do it just for fun. No, you don't. You do it to catch fish. And if you didn't catch fish, you're ticked off. They fished all night and they caught nothing. Fished all night and caught nothing. Fished all night and caught nothing. Wait a minute. In Luke chapter 5, we saw this in week 1. When, when Jesus called Peter, right before he called Peter, Peter had been fishing all night long. How many fish did he catch? <laughs> Probably just coincidental, right? I mean, this isn't the providential characteristic of God. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Let me, let me push the pause button. Can we not over-spiritualize this. I've heard pastors say they couldn't recognize Jesus because their faith was dead. Stop it. Stop it. You know why they couldn't recognize Jesus? Because it's early in the morning. It's dawn. And he's like a hundred yards away. Nobody in this room could look out at the parking lot at dawn and say, hey, there's Frank. If you have binoculars, maybe. If you could like zoom in with your phone, like maybe you could do that. But the reason they couldn't see Jesus is because they're far away. And, and it's like, it's dawn. They didn't have that kind of vision. They can't see him. But they can hear him. Watch this. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Because that's what people do on the lake, right? If you're out on a boat on the lake and you're, you're out fishing and you drive by another boat and they're fishing, what do you say? Hey, caught anything? Nope, I ain't caught nothing. How about you? I got this string of them right here. Look at this. That, that's how you talk when you're out on the lake. No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. Jesus, l- l- let me ask you this question. These guys are professional fishermen. Do you really think they fished all night and had not thrown their net on the right side? No. They threw it out on the right side. They threw it on the left side. They threw it out front. They threw it back. They were frustrated. They threw it up in the air. They looked at each other, and they're like, who is this guy? Who's this clown? I don't know, man. Maybe we should try it. I don't know. You think we should try it? I don't know. Let's just do it. Let's see what happens. So they did. So they did. Say that. So they did. I love that phrase. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Wait a minute. When Peter, when Jesus asked Peter to use his boat, remember Jesus told, push out a little farther and go for a catch. You weren't supposed to fish during the day. You're supposed to fish at night. Remember, Peter pushed back. But then Peter did what Jesus said to do. Remember, Jesus said, hey, throw down the net. And and Peter's like, dude, we did it all night. We have worked hard all night and we caught nothing. And then he says this, but because you say so, I will. And he threw his net in, and the Bible says he caught so many fish that they had called in another boat, and the, and the fish literally began to sink both boats. Right here. Don't, don't miss this. This is so awesome. Jesus is taking Peter back to the place where he first met him, doing the same type of miracle he did when he first called him. This is called the grace of God. He's saying, hey, Peter, I know you messed up, and I know you feel like a spiritual failure. But I feel the same way about you now 
as I felt about you then. And I want you to know, Peter, I'm not disappointed in you. I believe in you. I have called you. You have waited on me. And now you're about to experience immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And what's Peter's response once he understands it's Jesus? Verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, when the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, listen, I don't pretend to know everything about the Bible. What I'm about to read to you, I don't understand. I don't get it. But it's in the Bible, so I'm going to read it to you. When he heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. For he had stripped for work. You're all thinking about it. What were they doing naked fishing in a boat? Don't tell me you're not sitting there thinking it. Don't pretend like you're that holy. Or maybe I am just that jacked up. I don't even know what that means. I think you would take off your tunic to jump in the water. Anyway, turned on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. And in other words, he's this. If Jesus still wants me, after how much I've messed up, besides all the flaws, everything that I have done to, to just betray him, if he still wants me, I'm all in. I'm going for all of it. I'm not waiting anymore. And, and listen, in less than 50 days, Peter preached what is called the, the day of Pentecost. And over 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. All that happened because he was willing to wait. Are you? Are you willing to late? wait? Listen, I, I know... I know this is a goofy example, but it's the truth. I, I've been frustrated for months with, that, with whatever's going on with my foot. Listen, I have prayed. I have begged. I have made promises. I have made deals. And I'm in a boot. And they're talking about surgery. And I've had to tell myself, even though I can't see it, I'm going to believe it. Like, God, I'm going to wait on you. And dur- during this time of waiting, God, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And, and God has been working. He, he has. He's been doing things. I could never imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on God hard during this time of waiting. Let me tell you why. This is my, this is my true confession. It hurts. It hurts bad. And I want pain medication so bad. But I can't do it. Because I'm terrified of it. But I want it. I want it so bad, and it's, and it's in my head, and it's over, and oh, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it. You'll be fine. It'll be all right. Just a couple days. Just one time. Man, I'm freaking out because I feel like this is my test. I feel like th- this is the thing that, that it's just like this is, this is my storm. This is my trial. That this legit is my test, I, and I know when I get on the other side, it's going to be great. It's going to be this great testimony and all that, but I don't want to wait. I want to feel better now and I know that'll do it I know that'll give me the temporary relief that I'm looking for but I also know how much I'll enjoy it and I'm terrified and so I'm leaning on God and right now I'm winning and listen it's not because I'm a super spiritual person who always gets it right in fact I'm the person who always gets it wrong but I'm telling you I'm learning how to lean on God I'm learning how to wait on God. Because the, the miracle is when we wait, God really does do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I'm saying to the person right now that you're frustrated with waiting, so much so that you're ready to give up. To the person who 
feels like throwing in the towel. I get it. I understand. I hate to wait too, but I'm telling you, it's in the waiting period where we see him do his greatest work. And if you feel like you're waiting right now and nothing's happening, I promise you, there are things going on behind the scenes that if we were to see them, they would absolutely blow our mind. And so today I would ask you, don't give up on God. Don't give up on God because he's never given up on you. He pursued Peter, he pursued me, and he will pursue you. And maybe today the thing that you need to tell Jesus is, Jesus, I I don't get it. I don't understand everything that's going on, but I'll wait on you. I will wait on you and I will trust that as I do, you will renew my strength and I will come out of this stronger than I've ever been in my life. I will wait on you. Let's pray. God, right now I pray for every single person in this room. We're just at a place that we thought that we would never be. We're overwhelmed with life. We're overwhelmed with bad decisions, things that we've done. Just overwhelmed with circumstances that are happening around us. God, I pray that we would pause today and realize that you are a good, good father. God, that as we wait on you, that your promise, that the promise in your word is that as we wait, You will renew our strength. That's a promise, church, from God in the scriptures. As we wait, he will renew our strength. So God, I pray over these next several moments as Mike leads us in song that you would show up and do something significant in our lives. Listen, church, nobody in this place knows more than I do. It seems dark right now. I know there's somebody in this room you feel hopeless right now, but if God can do it for Peter and God can do it for me, he can do it for you. All you need to do is say, God, I'll wait. I'll wait on your plans, trusting that your plans are greater than my plans, and you'll do far greater things than I could do. And so I will wait. I will trust you. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the person that's lost hope. God, I pray that you would help us understand that you're greater than what we're going through. God, you're greater than the addiction. You're greater than the depression. You're greater than the anxiety. You're greater than the relationship issues. You're greater than all of our problems. You're greater than the frustration. You're greater than the chains the enemy wants to put on us. And so, Father, right now, I just pray for the people here, God, that we would just be willing to wait, knowing that you are greater. We're going to come out of this stronger. Peter came out of it stronger. And Jesus, for the people, the person that feels so weak right now, may you speak so much life into them. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never prayed to ask Jesus Christ into your life. You've recognized that you do bad things and you think I'm a bad person, but really it's just that you're a sinner. And maybe today you need to hear that Jesus Christ died to forgive you of those sins, to pay the price for those sins. And you need to receive that gift of his death and his resurrection into your life. So maybe that's you, and, and so maybe right where you sit, if you know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, maybe right where you sit in your heart, you can just pray, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. So right now I ask you to come into my life and save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. And I know you did that to pay for my sin. So today I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my King, to be my Savior. All of me for all of you. I promise, Jesus, from this day forward to the best of my ability, I will wait on you. I will follow you. 
every day for the rest of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, we'd love to know. Be people across the back of the sanctuary at our prayer stations who would love to pray with you and for you, talk to you about next steps. We want to celebrate. Maybe you're here and there's something going on in your life and you need prayer. Let us pray with you and for you. Let us walk with you. Let us fight this battle with you. Because at this church, we understand you can't do life alone. We need the help of Jesus and each other. And that's why we're here. So, Father, I pray you would speak life into people that are struggling today. I pray that you would speak hope into people today. I pray that we would walk out of this place knowing, God, that you're greater, you're stronger, and you live in us. And your word says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. May we walk out of this place knowing that we're walking in victory. And even though we can't see it, can we have the faith to know that you're a good father who wants great things for his children. Thank you, Jesus, for always doing immeasurably more. We love you. And we praise your holy name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. You are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll be what you've always been to us, Jesus. And our hope is in you alone. And our strength is in your mighty name. And our peace in the darkest day remains. Jesus This we know We will see the enemy run This we know We will see the victory come We hold on To every promise you ever made Jesus you are unfailing our guide through the wilderness and our joy in the heaviness you are our way when it seems there is no way Jesus this we know we will see the enemy run this we know, we will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. We trust you. We trust you. Your ways higher than our own we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own 
We trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. Oh, Lord, we trust you. Oh, yes, we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. This we know. We will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. This we know. We will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Jesus, you are unfailing. We trust you. Come on, sing it. We trust you. We trust you, we trust you, your ways higher than our own. Do you trust him this morning? We trust you, we trust you, your ways higher than our own. We trust you, oh yes, we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own.